Welcome into the Bear Down Podcast right here on the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can listen to our show weeknights, 6 to 8 on ESPN 1000. Black and Abdallah each and every weeknight. And right here on the Bear Down Podcast, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we talk Bears football with you right here on the Bear Down Podcast. Bears lose to the Packers 28-19 to on Sunday, wrapping up week 13 in the NFL. As we head towards week 14, the Bears are on bye this week, so you'll have no practice from the Chicago Bears. You won't hear from Eberflus and the others throughout the week. You'll hear them next week, and uh, Eberflus spoke to the media on Monday. But, Adam, as we head into the bye with this Bears team, 3-10, and 10, they're 2-4 and four at home. They're in last place in the NFC North. They're in last place in the NFC overall. They've been eliminated from the playoffs, and at the moment, they would have the second pick in the NFL draft if the season ended today. The Bears head, head into the bye. They lose to their rivals, the Packers. But Justin Fields may have played his best game to date. 20 of 25, passing the football for 254 yards. He had two interceptions. I think we could debate the merit of those interceptions and the way they, they came about. But I look at the 20 for 25, and I think that's fantastic. And then, obviously, he broke away once again for another long touchdown run. Six carries, 74, uh, 71 yards, and a touchdown, the long being a 55-yarder by Justin Fields, one of the most explosive players in all of the National Football League. The Bears lose to their rival, but Justin Fields look good. So it's mixed vibes as we head into the bye. Yeah, there's a few things to talk about, right? There's like the... There's the Justin Fields had one of his best games, completed 80% of his passes. Like, that's great, right? And not only was he completing 80% of his passes, but it was the types of passes that he was throwing, right? The 50-50 balls that he's starting to trust his receivers on. You know, finding Cole Komet uh, when you need him to make a big play. Incorporating Chase Claypool a lot more, which we all wanted to see and expected to see with Darnell Mooney out. And also, you look at the other part of this game where heading into the fourth quarter... This team was up 19 to 10. Like this team was up on the Packers 19 to 10 and they couldn't finish. And I would argue that it's twofold. One, it's uh, it's probably threefold. One, it's Justin Fields turning the ball over. You can't do that. And I know it's Equimini St. Brown ran a horrible route and like it probably wasn't Fields' fault, but still, you throw an interception, you throw an interception, right? Uh two, the defense absolute garbage was playing really well you held the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to 10 points through three quarters and then you just let it go like you just absolutely let it go and Aaron Rodgers gets another win and then the third thing in this is the fact that now you look at a team where this was a winnable game to me going into it it was extremely winnable through three quarters and you just have an opportunity again towards the end of the game to win and what does Luke Getze do he calls a conservative game plan after big gains you had a big throw to Nikhil Harry then after that what a bunch of run plays you get inside the nine yard line a bunch of run plays like they and then a missed field goal like you were playing to lose that game at the end of the game and in the fourth quarter to not generate any more points. And the problem is, like, a field goal wouldn't have mattered. Like, another field goal, what? Okay, so 28 to 22? Sure. Like, they wouldn't have mattered. So, to me, there's three there's three reasons that they lost this game. There's there's fields throwing bad inter- or inopportune interceptions. There's the defense giving up 18 points in the second in the fourth quarter, not just the second half, just the fourth quarter. And then Luke Getze not being aggressive 
in the red zone with Justin Fields. Let's take it down this path because I, I think it's interesting. You and I have been fighting a battle the entire season about Justin Fields, his progress, and people saying he can't play, he's not the guy, because they look at the stat line and they say, where's the yardage and where's the explosive passing plays? Right, like that. That's a conversation that we've had this entire season. People point to the stats and they say, look at the yardage. The Bears aren't passing for any yardage. This guy can't get it done. Well, I mean, there's your game, right? Justin Fields gave you the game where he proves to the doubters he can do it. Now, it's all about consistency and getting to that level each and every week. But I think what's interesting to me is he was injured. So this is kind of like a protected game plan in some aspects where they didn't solely rely on his legs. And they kind of showcased his arm. And the arm can do it, which is the thing that you and I have been saying the entire time. Like, a lot of people in town continue to get um, blinded by the Trubisky era. Because Trubisky was not a high-caliber prospect in the, the sense that Justin Fields is. Trubisky was propped up in the ACC with a team that didn't really have a whole lot of success. And he put up a bunch of stats, and he was a workout draft combine guy. That he fit the mold, and people were duped into thinking he could actually play, play the position, even though the substantial evidence wasn't there in college. Justin Fields is the exact opposite, right? He was a touted prospect coming into Georgia before he transferred to Ohio State. He was the second overall prospect behind Trevor Lawrence for many years. Uh, I believe it was his junior year into his senior year in high school and then into his freshman year in college football. And he put up the stats, proven track record at Ohio State. In big-time games, he showed up. Tough kid, right? We saw that in the college football playoff. And so, like, you and I have always gone back to this basis of he can do it. It just hasn't happened yet. And a part of the reason why it hasn't happened yet is because of some of the stuff going on around him, offensive line, receivers, and, and just the overall uh, correct phrase probably is a suckage of the Chicago Bears in the last two years. And, and so I, I think what was nice to see on Sunday is that that passer is exactly what you and I have been talking about for two years now, where people continue to call the station to tweet us to say this guy can't throw from the pocket mm -hmm. when we continue to remind people he was the best passer from the pocket in all of college football his senior year at Ohio State. Yeah. That was his number one attribute as a prospect coming into the NFL. So the, the, the point of all of this is he can do it. He's starting to do it. It seems as if he's starting to feel more comfortable in the pocket, around the pocket, moving within the pocket to find receivers. And that's where you go to that commit throw on third down. Moving up, guy in his face, he changes the attack approach on the throw. It wasn't a full windup. It was like a little, a little flick to the left. He finds commit for a first down. That was a great throw. And then you could also talk about the long distance throws where he found St. Brown and Harry. I mean, mm -hmm. He has a bad wide receiver crew around him, but it's clear that he's the one making others better, and it's not 
he's dragging down the rest of the offense because he can't play. And that's where we see the comparison to Zach Wilson. We see the comparison to other young quarterbacks, and it's they're different. Justin Fields is a different player yeah. than, say, the other young guys. Well, because, you know, the, the, the sarcastic tweet from me after the throw to Harry was, oh, well, I thought he can't throw. Right. And then people are responding after the game because people can't look at what time things were tweeted and say, oh, well, he only throws to the other team. Like, he's got the same – I'm not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes has eight interceptions just like Fields. And you could probably go – to four or five of those interceptions where they're not him. Like, sh- tell me that you don't watch games without telling me you don't watch games. And I'm not just talking about Bears games in general. Yeah, it's just solely bitching about interceptions. Yeah, yeah. Like, 100%. Look, at, look, at the, look at the Zach Wilson interceptions, the Mac Jones interceptions, and look at Fields' interceptions. Like, those guys are throwing directly to other players, whereas... Fields are more 50-50 balls, guys missing on a route, guys falling down, guys doing that. Like, he's trying to trust his receivers more. And when you look at this offense and what they've been able to do, so week 7 through 11 and then week 13, right? Because you have to take out the Trevor Simeon game, right? Because that doesn't count as far as the offense because the offense was horrible because Fields, like, look at how much of a difference it makes when Fields is out there versus when he's not out there. And this is an eighth overall offense in DVOA. Top 10 offense in those weeks, even if you put the Packers game in there where they only scored 19 points and he didn't throw for a touchdown. They only ran one in. So to me, when you're looking at this, and Montgomery had a touchdown running in as well. So when you're looking at this offense, they're 16th in the passing offense. They're third in rushing offense. Now, a lot of that is Justin Fields running for 70 yards a game the last few games, right? And the one where he put up 150 rushing yards, whatever it was, right? But this is a team where we said at the beginning of the season, by the end of the season, I just want you to be middle of the road. Like, I just want you to be top 15 offense. And then add a better offensive linemen in the offseason, add better wide receivers in the offseason, do what they did with Chase Claypool, where you add you trade for him. And now, if you look at the weeks where they've implemented Justin Fields running the football more, where they're now trusting him to throw out of the pocket, and he's trusting himself to stay in the pocket, and they're, they protected him pretty well against the Packers on Sunday. Yeah, I'd say so. That when this happens, even with a bad offensive line, and even with mediocre weapons at wide receiver, and now that Cole Komet has come into his own, I would say he's not a great tight end. He's still just an okay tight end. Like, he's gone from mediocre to okay. Like, keep this up. And then you'll go from okay to good and then hopefully good to great. Sure. This is still a top 10 offense overall. Like, this is, an off, this is what you want to see. And you know what's sustainable? 70 yards a game rushing. That's, to me, that's sustainable. The game plan against the Packers, besides turtling in the second half from Luke Getze when you're in the red zone, this is a sustainable game plan. Staying in the pocket, finding, trusting your wide receivers to, to win some 50-50 balls out there trusting Cole Komet to get open when you need four or five yards to get a first down but then also having the ability like if you like people are starting to go through the all 22 now like if you watch him on that run where he ran in for the touchdown like he completely like out jukes guys three or four times and then uses his speed to just take off. And you and I saw it live. He was 10 yards in front of everybody else. He slowed down once he got to the 20. Yeah. He got to the 20 and and he slowed up. 
And like, to me, that is that's sustainable to me, right? If he breaks a 50-yard run, awesome. But also, if he runs for 10 yards for a first down, if he runs for seven yards for a first down to, out of, to, to, you know, to get out of bounds or slide or whatever, don't slide in front of the sticks like he did earlier this week though, on Sunday. But that's a sustainable offense. What we were saying is 175 yards a game, not sustainable. But the game plan, I, I liked the game plan except for what they did in the red zone. And I don't understand why Getze is out there. I know that the, the play, all the plays shrink when you get into the red zone. But not utilizing what your quarterback can do and taking the ball out of his hands and handing it to David Montgomery three times in the red zone and then settling for a field goal that was eventually missed is not sustainable. Why are you running the ball earlier in the game on third and seven? You're not going to get it. You got one yard on that play. Like, you're not going to do it. You're not going to be able to succeed. Succeeding is putting the ball in Justin Fields' hands, letting him go through his progressions on third down. And if he doesn't see something, then you use his legs to get to pick up the first down. That's been the formula for the past seven weeks. But for some reason, when they were in the red zone, when they had third and long on a couple opportunities, Getsy went away from that. And I don't know if it was because Fields was hurt or because they didn't trust him to throw in the red zone or what it was. But they went away from it. And at this point, who cares if you're trusting him or not? What are you playing for? You have three wins, for God's sake. Like, what? Are you, you gave that game away yeah. because of your conservativeness in the red zone. And, you know, like, you go back to the uh, to the touchdown run, and what's crazy and that you see it in person is, so we're sitting in the south end zone, and the moment he made that cut to go upfield, like, because we're, like, our vantage point is basically – a little to the side, but it's almost like the all 22 coaches tape. So like when we're sitting there, we can see wide receivers running their routes. Mm-hmm. We can see anticipatory throws. We can see the, the running lanes be created by, by the blocking. And the moment he planted his foot to go upfield, we, we could see it in the stadium. Like it was obvious it was going to be a sprint to the end, end zone. And then by the time he got to the second level of the Packers defense, it was like, Oh, this is going to be another one of those. Mm-hmm. Like, here we go. And after the fact, I, I started to think to myself, you know, uh, without looking it up, how many times did Hester return a touchdown, uh, a kickoff or, or a punt for a touchdown in his Bears career? 16? Right? Like, it, it was a lot, right? I'll look it up. We're doing a podcast. Uh, we could both look it up. Touchdown returns. Let's see. 16. Uh, let's see. Was I right? No. 20. He had... In a Bears uniform, though? Cause he he was had 20. Fan. Okay, here, here's the breakdown. 14 punt returns, 5 kickoff returns, and then the Giants missed field goal. With the Bears? 20. That's all with the Bears? Oh, did he have more with the I uh, thought, Falcons? I thought he had a couple with the Falcons. Yeah, he may. Yeah, he probably did. Let's see. That's Hold just on. the overall answer. Uh, 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 uh. So his twenty first, his twenty first was again was for the. So he had one. So twenty. Yeah, twenty. He had one for the for the Falcons. So nineteen. Yeah. In a Bears uniform. Yeah. Fields has three. Right. Yeah. It's nowhere near nineteen of Devin Hester. No. It's starting to, though, feel the vibe is starting to feel very Hester-esque where 
you can kind of tell something's going to break off. Yeah. Right? Like, like this is not fluky. This is not like, and I get that as his career goes, he's not going to be the fastest player on the field for, for 10 plus years. No. Uh, but right now, it feels very young Hester where all he needs is one missed tackle and boom. He's gone, and and we saw that third example against the Packers, and that, that's all it reminded me of. Is obviously the team's no good right now, but like the way Hester could just flip the momentum and and just change everything based on his unique skill set, it feels like Justin, like what could happen in later as he develops could be this. Maybe those runs don't get broken as much as designed runs as they are right mm-hmm. now. But maybe they turn into these situations where he's out of the pocket and it's between him and a linebacker to make that decision. Do I go after the quarterback or do I go out in coverage? Mm -hmm. Fields presses the issue, makes that linebacker miss, and now it's him him in a safety in a sprint all the way to the end zone. Like That's the type of thing that I, I think will be available for him in the next couple of years as he becomes a more dangerous passer. His run game will be there to supplement it. And, yeah, he has three of them so far. Theoretically, this season, he should have four. You can thank a terrible holding uh, call uh, in the Vikings game. Yeah. But he, he really should have four mm-hmm. super long touchdown runs mm-hmm. this season, which is crazy. It's the stuff of uh, Michael Vick. It's, it's the yeah. Randall Cunningham stuff from back in the day. Like, it's crazy to see. Um, well, but, he's must see TV now, like the way yeah. Hester was, and like as evident it, it is. I think we talked about this on the big show last night, but like I went to the bathroom only when the Bears were on defense, and I think a majority of the stadium did the same thing. That you know that Fields is must see TV if you're there, or must watch if you're there. Like you have to be there because he could do something like that. Like you don't want to miss it. Yeah. Like like think of how many times twenty is a big big number for Hester. But think of how many times he didn't. But oh, yeah. you still needed to watch you need to be every there. single time yeah. just in case. Yeah, no, you're you're right. The the vibe of I have to be sitting in my seat to see every single Justin Fields play, mm-hmm. 100% agree with you. You you have to go to the bathroom when the defense is on the field and or the offense just scored. Yeah. So you have the the TV timeout in between the touchdown and the the field goal, the extra point or the kickoff. With that that chunk of time usually could run you between six and seven minutes. That's usually your sweet spot to go to the bathroom, and you avoid the quarters. But you you go the moment that the offense scores when Bear Down is playing in the stadium, you dash towards the bathroom, and you find one that actually has urinals in it, and you 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 do your business. Uh, Matt Eberflus on Monday was asked if he was okay with that conservative play calling after. A big passing plays. Adam, you were talking about it multiple times. The the offense got conservative after moving the football through the air. Here's Zebraflus. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can always, you know, criticize play calls. You know, people that's that's part of the game, right? That's you know part of the fun of the media and part of the fun of the, the fans, of course. But uh, what the way I see it is that uh, you know those were good play calls. Uh, if you look at the execution of the run on the one on the third down, uh, if we kick out that. You know that three technique and run that trap the correct way. That thing is hitting on the safety, uh, so we just got to do a better job of that. I thought it was a good play call and a good design. So that's Matt Eberflus uh, yesterday at Hallis Hall as the Bears are on by. 
Uh, he was also asked how much of the failed fourth quarter drives falls on Justin Fields' shoulders through two interceptions in the fourth quarter. Well, it's the nature of the position, right? I mean, that's what it is. You know, the quarterback, you know, gets a lot of things that are put on him, you know, in terms of praise and everything when everybody's blocking in front of him, clean pocket, you know, the receiver's running the correct route and all the positivity that a lot of that goes to the quarterback. You know, uh, the, the, the media puts it there, the fans put it there and all that. But really, it's all 11 guys. And it's the same thing with the criticism, right? It all goes to the quarterback. Well, it's not warranted that way because it's all 11 guys, you know, so it's, it's a team game. You know, and uh, to me, it, it is because if you ha- don't have all the guys doing the same thing at the same time, the right way, it's hard to execute. It just really is. So, um, to me, it's all eleven. And again, certainly our quarterback is running in the huddle. Um, he's running the plays, and he'll be a big uh, instrumental part to our success um, in the future. And uh, and we're getting him in those situations, and he's and he's doing a good job. I thought the two minute operation was much better um, to me, to me in terms of the operation of it. You know, it looked crisp, it looked clean, pocket was clean, ball was out on time. Um, when you look at both of those drives, um, and, and to me it looked a lot better. But do you see him as a guy who can develop, a quarterback who can develop into the guy who wills performance out of his teammates, gets the gets the wide receiver to come back and block and, and knock that ball down or, or, or make the block, or, you know what I'm saying, that wills performance. Is that what it takes to, to, to turn these losses into victories? Yeah, that's a good point, and I, my, I would say yes. I believe that to be true. Um, I know I know the man inside after being with him for a year and the grit he has and the talent he has, uh, no question he's going to get it done. So there you go. Matt Eberflus on Monday talking about Justin Fields, and it's a team effort, the failed fourth quarter drives, and I think that that's pointing directly at uh, EQ St. Brown. Uh, the inability yeah. to fight for the football and just allowing – the interception that take place, uh, that's the team aspect there because I think Justin Fields made the right throw. You and I, again, back to the conversation about the vantage point in the stadium. Uh, the Bears were were traveling away from us, so we were watching Fields uh, drop back. That was what we saw, and we could see where Fields was looking throughout that drive, mm-hmm. and Fields made the right play. Oh, yeah. And when he let that football go, we both saw a Bears wide receiver going to turn around and then stop. He just stopped running, Mm -hmm. and it was obvious that that sucker was going to get picked off because Brown St. Brown just stopped. He stopped on it, and we we could see the vantage point, and it was – it was just we were just like, oh, what are you doing in the stand? It was terrible. Well, but again, how many times have we had this conversation after games and been like, well, he's not going to be here next year, so that that will be a better. Well, that he's, will a, be... he's a good running running block player. All right, he's cool. a blocker. So he's, he's your fifth wide receiver because well, isn't that what we do in the NFL in today's day and age? Is your wide receivers are blockers? No, thank you. <laughs> what? No, thank you. No, thank you. He won't be here next year, and if he is, he's not going to be in that position because you'll draft a guy. Mooney will be your two or three. Claypool will be your two or three. Veals Jones better get in the mix somehow. And then you've got Komet. Like, you've got better. You're going to have better talent. Just as soon as you draft a wide receiver as your number one wide receiver, everyone gets better. Everyone gets better around totally you. Totally agree. And the route, tr- like, the tr- not the, the route tree, but, like, the depth chart completely changes. And Equimania St. Brown, if he's here, falls lower on that totem pole. Yeah, no doubt. And Chase Claypool, if he didn't get hurt, probably would have played the most snaps out of any wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Brown played the most, but 
Claypool did leave the game, and it felt like before he left the game, there was some chemistry being developed between Fields and Claypool, so that was good to see. The Packers win. They moved to 5-8. and eight. They're 11th in the NFC, so right now they're still within striking distance of a playoff spot at the moment, um, but they need, to, they need to win games here from here on out as the Lions are past the Packers. The, the Lions are ninth in the conference right now. Mm-hmm. They have the tiebreaker over Green Bay. So something to keep your eyes on uh, in the division as the Bears are on by uh, this week. Next week, they'll face off against the Eagles at Soldier Field. That should be fun. Yeah, it should be good. Uh, but we have a, a weekend of football to look forward to in week 14, and we will continue talking Bears football right here on the Bear Down Podcast. We'll talk to you on Thursday, talking Bears football right here on ESPN and the ESPN Chicago app.